Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Six Degrees of Associations. I'm your host, Lucas McCann. With me today, Brandon Lawrence. Welcome, Brandon. Hello. Great to be here. My pleasure having you. I, I would typically go in and say, you know, which association you're with and where you're from and all that, but it's a long one. And uh, I'm going to let you do it and tell us a little bit about your current role and, and again, how you found this little world of associations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me on today. Um, I'm an executive director with uh, the Oncology State Societies at ACCC. Uh, like you just mentioned, that is a mouthful. Uh, we are a association management company that uh, manages 23 uh, different state societies uh, throughout uh, the country. The Oncology State Society is comprised of uh, oncologists, so the physicians that treat cancer, uh, nurses who treat cancer, uh, and then any other administrators uh, that work in the cancer centers. Uh, we aren't just a physician organization, uh, but we uh, we deal primarily with our our, um, our doctors. You know, of the 23 states, I'm the executive director for uh, four of them. Uh, they're all great. Um, we have a team of six uh, amazing executive directors here. Um, and, you know, we deal like anything that an executive director would deal with, right? So we, um, you know, work with the board uh, to help, um, you know, fulfill their mission, uh, work with our membership teams, our meetings teams, uh, our uh, marketing team to really, um, you know, serve, serve the client very well. They're all separate. Uh, we're at, we're under a, uh, ACCC, which is a national organization, uh, but every uh, state's society is an independent, um, completely independent society. Fantastic. And so you're, you're, uh, you're joining us today from Portland, Oregon, although you're, you're an East Coaster, you know, sort of <laughs> born and raised, went to GW, been to the Washington area and spent some time here. But how did you, how did you originally find associations? Did you jump right in out of school or tell us a little bit about that backstory? Yeah, absolutely. I think like everyone that went to, uh, to college, uh, you know, especially in, in DC, you kind of look after you're done, you think you know what you want to do. And then obviously, you know, life, there's a curveball for you. Started in sales, you know, I was, I was in sales for a while, um, for a little bit. And then, um, through that, you know, saw, saw a job posting for a, uh, for a sponsorship and exhibits, uh, sales coordinator position, uh, yeah. way back when I think eight years ago now at this point, uh, did not quite know, uh, what that meant. You know, it was a, you know, it was, it's had sales in it. I was looking for a, you know, a little bit of a change. And so, uh, got that position and then kind of fell into the world of associations and kind of worked the way up from, from just doing sponsorships and exhibits to, uh, working with on the larger scale in meetings, uh, working with uh, different clients in that regard, um, and then worked for a uh, hospitality association. So it's a convention of visitors bureau that had uh, about 250 uh, local um, hospitality members was in membership there, and then um, and now here. So it's a it's been a great like everyone that comes in associations. I feel like no one has a uh, no one went to school to be in associations, uh, but yeah. it's been it's been a great career. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, it's, it's been a handful of guests now that sort of share this similar path. As I didn't know what associations were, despite I had some some distant family in associations. I had a grandfather who worked in associations, but yeah, I took this sales job and it was working you know with association members. And you know, I'll say twenty plus years have passed, and I'm still here. What um, you know what what keeps you in it? Yeah, I, I think to be successful in associations, you have to work well with people and it's all about, it's all about people. It's, it's the, the staff members that you're working with. It's the board members. It's, it's the larger membership base. So I think seeing our boards succeed, you know, seeing, um, you know, ha seeing our associations have success, right. And every association defines success differently. Um, but being able to help people make a difference is, is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, 
you know, recently I was introduced to this idea. There's really no, you know, not for profit. You're for profit or you're for cause. I really like that because <laughs> um, this not for profit was developed as a tax yeah. strategy. Everybody gets it. But the for cause aspect of our industry is really, really powerful. And the trend that I've noticed is that is a lot of what attracts some people either coming out of corporate America, keeps you around. And I think at a high level, you get to represent a large portion of um, the U.S., in some cases internationally in the world, and get to sort of be at the spearhead. And as the executive director in your current role, like you're very much in that. You, in essence, are the industry. We got a chance to talk before the show and you had shared, um, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about the voice of the industry and what that means. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, in the association world, COVID was obviously this big meteor that hit. And, you know, what happens after the meteor hits has been way more interesting than I think the meteor itself. And, you know, in the association world, you know, I saw it, I was working for the hospitality group that, you know, your whole world ends, right? Like you yeah. are, you've been told we were in Oregon, you yeah. know, hotels were, were at like 25% capacity, Definitely. restaurants shut down, wineries were, were, you know, were closed for any sort of indoor tasting. And there was this, you know, big push about outdoor tasting. Well, from that experience, you know, people were still drinking the wine. They just weren't were you know, participating in the on-site yeah. tastings. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, especially out here in Oregon, that's a big deal, right? So, you know, it, and it really, you know, it really created everyone. Um, you know, they really had to find out at the local level, what are we doing in response to this, right? They had never thought about what happens in Salem, Oregon, which is the state capital, you know, what happens, right? And so I think that was kind of the beginning of, of me finding, you know, the the voice of a group of companies or a group of organizations or whatever the association might be. There is an association for everything, as we know. Absolutely. Um, so whatever that looks like, um, you know, whether it's, you know, educating your members, like uh, the, the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association did a great job of just at the state level, just explaining, you know, what was going on, translating the governor's policy, and um, so I think it's really important, you know, that was a good learning lesson early on about like what this looks like. And then taking this now, you know, you're really, you know, the, our members, our oncologists, they have day jobs, right? <laughs> they are treating patients all day. They are, don't yeah. have time for a bunch of Zoom and Teams calls. Uh, and so that it's our job, any executive director's job, you know, to, to represent that voice and, and represent it well to other organizations that, that have similar interests. Yeah, you brought up COVID, um, just such a horrible time. I, I think um, sort of the aftermath, as you had said, was I think it gave somehow associations just a resurgence of relevance. Um, you know, in my you know couple of decades, 20 plus years, I've, I've watched this sort of trend of, hey, they have a voice, they have a value, they don't, you know, you can get the information everywhere, but you have these networking events, but we're online so we can, you know, and coming out of the other side, the voice was just louder and stronger than ever. I mean, and it was utilized by those that could really tap into that and make change after that time. I don't want to talk about during, it's just a bad time. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a downer. We've done, talked about that a lot on the shows, but the aftermath, I like this notion of, hey, yeah. where do we go next? How do we yeah. sort of capitalize on this opportunity of voice and recognition? And what does that, what does that look like? How do we do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for, for a lot of groups, it really, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a generalization, but like you said, brought them out of their shells, you know, realizing that there are a lot of other groups in, in the, in the country that have similar interests and have, you know, similar, 
purpose. And so how, how do you create those, those coalitions for everything from education, right? You, you see co-branded educational events. Now you see co-branded, um, you know, messaging, right. And then on the, on the policy side, like we talked about, you know, it's, it's finding other groups that have similar interests and, and working together, uh, for, for your common cause. Yeah. I even, I would, I would imagine, uh, in your role there, there is an importance of sort of creating in market, in association coalitions as well, right? To get sort of capture the voice in smaller chunks, because if you have, I don't know what the membership outreach there is, let's just say 5,000 members, well, you'll never be able to reach 5,000 members individually, but how do you sort of start to create balls of different voices that can be yeah. pulled together and, and create and cascade into, you know, what is the voice? Yeah, and I think the answer to your question is the difference between really successful associations and not as successful associations. I think it's tapping into that membership, tapping into the, your experts, tapping into those in the field that are wildly, you know, wildly respected. Um, and it's, it's getting engagement. You know, I, I always laugh, you know, we can send out all the surveys we want of like, oh, who wants to be involved? And we can send out all of the mass emails of, hey, you know, here's a call for volunteers. But it's relying on the board of directors to identify key stakeholders in the membership that can really move it forward. You know, we obviously want to always want to burn out from our, our volunteers. That's never, never a good yeah. thing to, to, you know, have people over volunteer. So it's using those super volunteers and really helping connect uh, leadership, you know, with other members, you know, we ask, you know, for our, um, we have our, you know, our policy committees, right? So we have our committees, every association has committees, right? Um, and so we ask our board members, Hey, find someone in your practice, that can serve on this committee. You know, you are as a board member are really engaged. You're an amazing board member. Uh, you know, we don't want to overwork you. Find someone in your practice that, that can come and uh, and serve. And it, that's been really helpful as well. And lets them pass on the baton. It helps them get more people involved. And it kind of can create. You know, it's, it's a nice multiplier in terms of impact. Yeah. Absolutely. That was, by the way, that was a very tactful way that you position that successful associations and, and less successful associations, but uh, we'll conversation for another day on, on the successful versus I'll say not successful association strategy implementations. But what I heard you say there was find influencers. Is that fair? I, I think that's a very 2024 way of saying that. Yes. F find your influencers uh, to, to really, about, we talk about um, storytelling as well, right? Every association has a story mm -hmm. to tell. And who are you telling that story to? Uh, on the policy side, you're telling the story to lawmakers. You're telling the story to other stakeholders. Uh, you also have to tell your association story to your members. And so those, yeah. those, those influential board members can really help tell that story. Because if when they ask, hey, I see this thing about the Iowa Oncology Society, what is this? Someone has to, you know, your membership has to be the one to be, you know, because I can send all the emails I want, right? Everyone gets a million emails nowadays, um, but it's it's Absolutely. actually it's the it's the word of mouth um, that really is really important for um, get, you know get, getting more people engaged and, and having that success. Yeah, it doesn't do any good to do these great things, right, and then not tell everybody what you're doing, whether it's the board, um, whether it's your members. And I would add to that, the third would be prospect members, right? The idea yep. of continuing to grow, who's going to bring in new audience, new members, um, prospects. We talk about that a lot at Big Red M. Mm -hmm. um, so for those that are listening that go, well, how do I find influencers in my industry? Like, how do you all identify? The board seems like mm, maybe the low-hanging fruit. You should have folks on that board that have some influence in the industry. You want to have good representation on 
sort of larger profile or if you're a trade association, larger companies and, and revenues down to smaller should be, should be right. A fairly good mix, but in an oncology setting where you're directing to doctors, is it, how do you, how do you find those? No, and it's really, that's a great question. I think every, every association is going to be different. You know, what yeah. we've done for ours, you know, the, the, the wider medical education world is quite big, right? There are a lot of different publications for, for doctors, for nurses. There's, there's a lot of different organizations. And so you can kind of see, you know, who do other people talk about? Like, who do people reference? You know, like who, who is, you know, um, in the space who's, you know, I, I know every, every group has different social media preferences. Yeah. Doctors love Twitter. Yeah, I don't know if, it's, if, you, if I need to call it what the, the artist formerly known as, as Twitter, right? But yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know, it, and so it's it's who who's a thought leader in the space and and who is who wants to be engaged that might not know about your your society, you know. Um, people also, you know, there's that you know what we try and do as well with a, the, a lot of national organizations. Someone joins a national organization different for a different reason than a state organization. So you know, on the state level, um, you know trying to talk to people about, you know, why join your state and people might not even know about it too. So I think that's, I think that's a really, um, you know, seeing who other people respect is, is really important. Yeah. And then, uh, I think respect is a good part of it because there's a lot of people that get attention, um, yeah. but it's not always positive. And, and the word influencer in itself has in 2024, its own connotation, but really, Mostly, I would say, suggest in a for-profit setting, right? They're influencing for gain, um, <clears throat> personal gain, financial gain. It has this sort of ring to me as, hey, I'm an influencer and I'm going to get paid for it, right? They, they're building an audience to monetize it. And do you all think about that as a strategy? Is there a monetization type of partnership in influencers in your industry. I know that could be opening a can of worms. I'll let you let no. tread lightly because whatever you say will be heard and, and uh, for better or worse. <laughs> no, th there's really not, there's really not monetization on our end in terms of the, of the physicians uh, making money off the association. And obviously, you know, in a, in a, in different contexts, you know, especially in the association world, there's always a very fine line, right? And it's always, you know, make sure you're putting on your association hat and not your individual practice hat. But I, I would say that one thing that we do lean on is, you know, you know, speaking at a conference is an honor. Like speaking at a medical yeah. conference and presenting on whatever type of cancer that you're working on is an honor and can lead to more recognition. You know, on the fellow side, we work with a lot of, you know, physicians who are entering the workforce. Having a poster presentation at a conference is a great thing for your resume. So you do, you know, you joked earlier about uh, how not-for-profit is just a tax status. It's not how you actually operate. Um, but one of the great things about associations now is that the goal is to find the win-win. That's the goal is to help. The goal is to help your members succeed, right? Because if you're, if you're a society and you're not trying to do what you can do to help your members be successful in their careers, then, then, you know, you're not doing a great job as an association. That's fair. It was a little tongue in cheek in the sense yeah. that like it is for cause, yeah. uh, I, I think some people sort of sometimes can weaponize the, the nonprofit to be like, we don't want to grow. It's not my goal no. to grow, which I take issue with is yeah. if you can grow and you can find new forms of membership, new levels of membership, new yeah. forms of sponsorship, you can further your cause even greater. And so some people take this notion that the not for profit is not for growth and they're just no. it couldn't be more farther from the truth. No, I, I, I do completely agree with that. And I think we saw as well that you have to. Like the, the role of, of an executive director is, is a, is a, is a funny role. 
you know, you're not an accountant, you're not, you're not a, um, you know, certainly most, most EDs aren't, you know, certified tax professionals, but you have to know all of these things and help your organization stay on solid financial footing uh, and rely on those resources that you have at your association to make sure that you do have the resources to continue. You know, I think we saw, you know, if anything can happen, right. And I think it's really important. Yeah. To keep, stay in that growth mindset. Um, there's old saying, what, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so I think yeah. that it's, you know, um, yeah, it's really important to keep, you know, again, you're not supposed, you don't run it like a for-profit business, right? That's not what we're talking about here, but we're also talking about making sure that organizations are growing and, you know, set up for, for financial success. Yeah. There are two mantras in our organizations that we use. One is healthy things grow and the other is all growth ends. Um, yep. and so continuing to evolve in that sense as well, if you want to continue to stay healthy, um, yep. So going back to monetization for a second, you know, growth minded, all of that, what it's not really always black and white is, Hey, this is a good thing for the voice of the industry. And this isn't right. Like talk to us a little bit about the gray. Cause I could have, I, I listen to other associations struggle with putting together an event, for example, and their sponsorship opportunities. And you are essentially selling the voice, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to be really mindful of, not just, hey, I need the dollars. We want to grow this event from a budget standpoint, but being really mindful about whoever you let in the tent is in the tent and they're going to have a say, so to speak, or they're going to have attention that's going to be attached to your brand. How do you protect that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is where the board of directors, that's one of the main, I think, roles of, of a board of directors is making sure that the organization, the organization is healthy in that regard. The, the board is the one in the industry, right? As staff, yeah. you know, we, we're not day-to-day -day doing what our members are doing. And so the, bo the board knows, you know, a good board will recognize, you know, A, just define success, right? What is the point yeah. of this meeting? Are we here to learn about, like in, in my case, clinical stuff? Are we, you know, stuff is being unkind. Clinical, really important clinical updates that help serve patients. Yeah. So, you know, or is it, you know, for some associations, like, you know, in my, my previous job, you know, some of those associations, the meetings budget was 70% of their annual revenue. So, you know, what is, you know, what makes a, a successful meeting? What are we doing to optimize it to make sure that the association can continue to do all the other programs? Because a lot of times that meeting is a subsidy, right? So you have your annual meeting and that funds all the education programs throughout the year. And that funds, um, you know, resources for members and that funds travel for, for members to go to events, for instance. So I think that creating that success metrics is really important and doing things with intentionality. So why are we doing this? Right. Another thing too, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you've, um, you know, I'm sure everyone knows Lowell Applebaum, right? In the association world, but he does a really great presentation on the life cycle of an organization. Mm -hmm. And that really helps, you know, I think that's, I would recommend that for any board who's looking to just self-identify, you know, where are we, what are we doing and where do we want to go? Yeah. Shout out to Lil Alpabom. Absolutely. As a great industry advocate, I highly recommend folks reach out to him. Um, former guest as well. So I, I like that sort of utilization of the board, right? The board wears a few hats. They have a few roles and responsibilities, but using them as the filter for, you know, is this the right message? Is this the right partner, provider, sponsor, what have you? Yeah. As staff, you know, we can, we can have all the staff meetings we want, right. We can have, we can have great internal strategy and, and we can be, you know, uh, locked down internally and have everything on point to use a few, sorry, corporate buzzwords. But then if you, you know, but if the board 
isn't involved in that process and the board it's it's not that there's not that there's friction necessarily but if there's a misalignment of priorities you know that's that's one of the main roles that, that i you know board how, how important boards are to the success of the organization yeah there's a time to speak and a time to listen as yeah. we talked about you know prior to the yeah. show and uh, I think you agreed you would share maybe a quick story on, you know, lessons learned in this regard. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's, you know, in, in the association world, you know, it is, you know, you, because we're dealing with so many different stakeholders, right. You have to have right. confidence that in what you're doing is, um, is in, in the best interest of the organization, you know, and, and on the staff, you know, I, I mentioned I was in meetings, you know, there was one, one of our clients who, you know, there was a, the conference committee, a lot of board members were on the conference committee, you know, and this is, you know, back, you know, fairly early ish in my, in my, um, uh, career. And I, I just didn't listen to what the board was saying, right? Oh, I, I know what this meeting should look like. I know I've been here, I've been here a couple of years now. I know, yeah. I know what this should look like. Like, why aren't you listening to me? And that, not that I said those in those words, of course, but it's, it's, it creates friction where it's, you know, you lose trust, uh, with your, with your volunteers if you come across as knowing better than them. You know, that's the most thing is that, you know, the, these boards are there for a reason and these community members are there because they're volunteering their time and they have expertise of, of what's important for the organization. And it's just a good reminder early in my career to listen to what your board and what your volunteers are saying. And really, again, not everyone, you talk to 10 different volunteers, nine might have different opinions about things, but it's, you have to listen to what they're saying. Otherwise you're going to lose your way a little bit. Yeah. Even if it just adjusts, by the way, that I don't think that was unique to you. I've certainly, you know, stumbled over that in the past. I'm sure lots of others. And if somebody's listening, um, if they could just learn a little bit from that, just take a few moments and really just digest. And to your point, it doesn't mean that it has to radically alter your decision. You may have already had in your mind sort of an idea of where you wanted to go, what you wanted to do. And that could be nothing more than confirmation, affirmation of the thought that you already had. But even if it just a just you a couple of degrees on your course that could be significant over a longer period of time right absolutely and and in the, in the association world you know you also get new volunteers a lot of times too so you ha what you learn with one volunteer um can really help you you know deal with it with the next year and 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 correct correct those little little mistakes and and really make it a real seamless experience you know for the for the volunteer leadership how do you all, um, how do you all utilize volunteers? That, that is a great question. And that's, you know, really important. You know, when you actually like, you know, if the board sets the direction of the organization and the yeah. staff executes what the staff executes, how does it actually filter down to the membership and how does it actually impact the lives of, of the, of the members of the association? You know, we use volunteers in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they really are, you know, if you can make them, like I said before, the voice of the organization and actually carry on, you know, the messaging, but also it's to, you know, help get others involved. So if you have, you know, a great program or a great, um, you know, resource for them, but no one knows about it, you know, like I said before, everyone gets a million emails and everyone is um, overloaded with messaging nowadays. We have all these, these, you know, the whole conference, right? You know, SE puts on their membership marketing conference, right? Of how to get through, yep. how to how to break through the noise. And so volunteers for us are a great way to do that. And the catch though is that you have to be providing great services for the volunteers. <laughs> it has to be valuable. And then we go back to like finding the voice right. and, and finding the value. 
um, you know, after a while, if, if they're not seeing any benefit from the association, they're not going to, they're going to stop being your cheerleaders. Yeah. Same with membership and everything else. I mean that the value the stories, it all has to, it all has to be aligned. It all has to be consistent. It has to be often, but not too much. Goodness. The emails are getting a little bit overwhelming. Uh, I'd love to, for us to find a, a better, newer avenue. I mean, are, are there things that you all are thinking about to down the road or currently that are maybe newer ways or, or you're just pivoting away from certain channels of communication and, and gravitating towards others? I, I think that's that's a, a great question, that, that one that we are constantly working through. And it's not one that ever really, I can I cannot imagine having a, like, okay, now we've arrived at this destination. We know that this way is the perfect way to reach members. I think you always have to adjust uh, in terms of, you know, we, you know, Lola also gives a great thing about, you know, communicating with your board of like, what is the best communication preferences, even for your board, even for your most engaged volunteers? What, what are the best ways to, to get messages through um, to them? You know, the, the word of mouth for us is so important. And that's what we've really been trying to push is, okay, board member, like, you know, you're amazing. You're coming to the meeting. How about you tell two or three at your practice about the meeting? How about here's a flyer for you to put up at your practice that you can, you know, get more people engaged with. So we, we've been relying a little more heavily on the, um, uh, the word of mouth, but it's a, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. Is the word of mouth in your opinion, uh, on any platform? Like, is this, is this word of mouth? Would we have to get together in person to be word of mouth? What's the strategy there? Well, no, there are a lot of, it's funny and, and on a, on a longer, a bigger trend line of, you know, it used to be back in the, I'm just grossly exaggerating the past, but it was like, you know, you, there was like one way of communicating. It was either on a message board on your association or it was on your, you know, email list server or whatever it was. But nowadays members communicate with each other so many different ways without the association being involved. You know, whether, whether it's, you know, in our world, there are a lot of for-profit conferences, you know, mm -hmm. so it's with coming to a for-profit conference, it is a, you know, one of our clients has all of the cancer centers in the state. Um, they have like a director's meeting, you know, and so it's like they communicate in other ways that, you know, you have to be aware of those. And, you know, if, if they can become your cheerleaders in those settings, you know, whether it's, you know, via a Facebook, you know, a Facebook group or a, you know, LinkedIn on LinkedIn or whatever the social media of the day is, is really important to, to make sure that, um, you know, it's not just one communication platform anymore. It's, it's yeah. splint, we're in our current econ information economy. It's, it's splintered so much. I think that's just, that's really important. If people really didn't listen to that is, is some associations are so focused on how can we take our message and put it back out into what's the newest channel that we could jump on and start throwing our content at the membership so that they know <laughs> what's happening. And the reality is they're making it happen on their own. And the essence of just opening your ears in some cases is, oh, they've already created the event, but I should yeah. be there. I should be at a for-profit event, not just going member to member. I, they, they've done it themselves. They've pulled themselves together, whether it was a supplier or they just rallied around a common cause or coalition internally. And, hey, I just need a seat at the table. I'm okay. sure they welcome you there. And that can be a great way to just open up your ears and listen. You don't even have to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And listening, like you said, listening is just so important to your membership. I mean, we touched a little, a little bit earlier, but, you know, 
finding out where they're speaking and listening is it cannot be more important for for kind of the roles that we have. Just continuing to keep your finger on the proverbial pulse and using some medical terms. Um, I like this question. Like Brandon, what what are you uh, what are you most excited about this year? Maybe in your association, and then maybe in the broader industry as well. Yeah, I think you know, in terms of our associations, you know, I'm excited. I've I've been here for a little about eight months now, um, and so I think you know every association person needs a full year to kind of be yeah. you know to see the cycle. So I'm I'm excited. Just you know, it's really exciting when and if you talk about the, you know people's careers in this industry. It's really exciting when you get to go to work and and believe in what you're doing, and actually yeah. really believe in the mission of the association. Um, you know, and so I think you know getting to you know on, on the cancer side as well. You know, I think everyone's been touched by cancer, and it is really important. Um, so that the work that we're doing, that what I'm excited about is improving patient outcomes, and that's and that's like the, the the guiding guiding mission of our of our state yeah. oncology societies. Um, whether that's through better education for members, whether that's through we put on education projects where you know we have staff who will go in and like actually. Um, there was a genetic counseling project we did, right? So that the genetic counselors, and there's so much cutting edge stuff going on um, uh, in the cancer care community. So that's really exciting uh, in my end. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an exciting time. And it's, it's what's great about associations is that, you know, everyone has their mission. I I worked for, um, I knew I had Sarah Wood on last, uh, last program and she works for the, um, you know, association of water technologies. You know, when I was there, I worked Mm -hmm. uh, there and, you know, they are helping to fight Legionella, which is a, a you know, disease that, that you know, hurts a lot of people. So it's like, even something as industrial water treating, the mission is uh, to, for, for a better world. And so any association you're at that, that it helps you going, helps you go throughout the day and really, you know, helps, um, you know, kind of connect that to, to the mission. Yeah. Uh, technology is just accelerating everything in all industries. And I watch it, you know, in manufacturing, they have the you know, the fulfillments and the, <clears throat> the procurement, all, all of the technologies that go into the manufacturing industry, but the medical industry is exciting in a whole new way because it touches so many more people. I watched on the news this morning, you know, advancements in, in breast cancer um, vaccines, which I know can be, yeah. you know, kind of a triggering word, but in the sense that a vaccine could be used to lengthen the life of somebody who's been diagnosed with a, you know, typically terminal cancer. And I think that's just incredible. Like that these, and it was, it was created by essentially a group of members within that industry who pulled themselves together in a coalition in a research fashion and just put all of their eyes and ears on this data set and started to figure out and understand what's really going on. So the implications of this was a membership within a membership. It's all associations and and kind of the goal and what they're doing. I thought it was cool just Cut one because it was in an association, and two, it was medically based, and and it was technology. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know if the defining feature of an association is is people connecting, I think you know there's the power of that is really incredible, and whatever form that takes, especially in the medical field, like you said, it, it's really incredible. You're literally saving lives. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we we are not saving lives on the on the association side, but we are helping our members do that, and that that, that definitely is, is a very point. exciting exciting part of the. Uh, <laughs> You are contributing to an industry that is saving lives. Is that fair? You're helping. Yes. And and even, you know, it connects to with, you know, you know, on the, we talk about the voice, right. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's been really exciting working with with these different, we talked about coalitions earlier, you know, with 
different coalitions of like, there's, we work with a lot of patient, uh, patient, uh, advocacy, um, groups, mm-hmm. a lot of different, you know, cancer, cancer patient uh, groups that are doing some great work as well. And so they've been, they've been great partners. That's really, um, you know, it's very, very exciting in that regard. Yeah. Well, keep up the great work, Brandon. Uh, I had the unfortunate task always of wrapping us up at the end of these episodes. <laughs> but as we as we always do, I turn the mic back over to you and say, is there somebody in your network that you think our audience would you know find value in hearing from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, states, right? And so we work at the state, mm-hmm. the state level. And I think, you know, you turn on the news in the morning, you see all of the, the, the gridlock that's going on at the federal level. You see a lot of, you know, uh, stagnation at that point. There's a lot That's of all going to get better in 24, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. And so I think you know you see you see a lot of the progress in, in, in a lot of these areas at the state level and even at the association level. Um, you know, I'm involved with um, the California uh, Society of Association Executives, uh, mm-hmm. part of the Oregon chapter, um, and so just you know the the advances being made at the state level in terms of just organization membership, just being involved. You know, again the reason why you join a state organization is different than a national organization and at the state organization, like you can do a lot of uh, really great things just in whatever field you're in. So that was my pitch. Then my recommendation would be uh, Amanda Parsons, who is the, um, she just got her CIE. So there's no, you know, and the SAE gives out their certified association executive. It's very hard well to get. It takes a lot of hundred yeah. hours. And, and she just, she just passed the exam. Uh, she's the executive director with the Oregon parks and recreation association. And just has been, has been a great advocate of, you know, she always jokes, um, you know, that her membership is made up of all the Leslie Nopes of the world, you know, yeah. the ones, the, the, the parks directors that are really, I just, was thinking about it. I know yeah. people in the audience were too. It's just, it's, that's the thing. It's synonymous. Yeah. Now you say parks and rec. Yes. And, and so, yeah, I'd recommend you talk to her. I think she's, she's doing a lot of great things when, when it comes to engaging membership, uh, and, and being a good, a good force, uh, in, at the state level. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Brandon, for joining the show and for the recommendation. Look forward to talking to Amanda and uh, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.